It is Tuesday, August 9th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to night four of the third annual Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm your host, Matt Schaup. With me tonight are the Deep End crew, Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. Not with us tonight is Jared Smola because he's going to be among the drafters. We're watching people draft the fourth league out of six in the Draft Sharks Invitational. We will get to all of the guys drafting, but Adam, we talked to you as you were drafting your team last week. It was Wednesday, but we haven't talked to you since that final result. How do you feel about your entry into this tournament? I, f- I feel good. I mean, I was able to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do. I was able to get uh, a lot of the players that I wanted to get. I'm a little light at receiver, but I'm super strong at quarterback, running back, tight end. So, um, yeah, and it's always it's, it's always a crapshoot with these tournaments like this with so many really good players. But uh, I came out liking my, my team. There you go. Mike, what did you think of his team? <laughs> I don't remember. I was thinking you were going to ask me about mine, and I just went and looked. Uh, Adam well, always does you look well. To yours, what do you think about your team? I think it's all right. Um, it's funny, or not funny. It's just something maybe interesting how like it changes so fast. J.K. Dobbins in round 10, uh, for me, at the turn, seemed like, all right, well, maybe – and, you know, now he feels better. But everything we're doing in the summer is sort of playing the odds, predicting certain outcomes, and trying to find opportunities where the news could turn your way. So I guess Dobbins would be an example of that. Yeah, you still find a bunch of people who say it's nuts to draft before, like, August 30th. But it's not nuts. It's just different. You're making right. uh, bets on what might change between now and the start of the season. So it's just different drafting. We will get to the drafters tonight. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you can see the picks have started. And we will certainly get to who's taking whom. All of these drafts, this is the fourth one, as I said. They're all running on Fantrax.com. Totally free. Totally customizable for you as well as us. You can go to Fantrax.com slash DraftSharks today. You can set up your own free league. You can import an existing league from a website that's not treating you as well. Maybe it costs a bunch of money and you can just import your league to this totally free one. Run the same league. Have your friends still involved and have a better experience. Register your league in August. You're automatically entered into their game day experience drawing where they're going to send one lucky league to a city of your choice, NFL city, that is, of course, $6,000 of spending money. And Jared revealed to me in the studio this week that if you join via the DraftSharks link, Fantrax.com slash DraftSharks, you get two entries into that one. So click the link, set up your own league, you'll get in. We will talk format a little bit later on, but let's get to the lineup so that we can start announcing picks for these guys. Picking first is Zachary Kruger of NBC Sports Edge. He is at ZK underscore FFB. He, of course, was with was with us in Buffalo for the live Scott Fishbowl draft a few weeks ago as well. Number two, Abib Agbatoba, two-time champ of the Football Guys Player Championship, now part of the First and 15 podcast crew. He is at Skywalker 2000 on Twitter. Number three, Alan Seslowski of Rotowire. He is at Alan Seslowski on Twitter. Number four, Scott Fish, of course, the guy from that certain bowl that I just mentioned a minute ago, also involved with assorted other fantasy projects. We don't have time to run through everything that Scott Fish does. He is at Scott Fish 24 on Twitter. Number five in tonight's order is Pat Thorman of Establish the Run. He is at Pat Thorman. Number six, Patrick Doherty, also of NBC Sports Edge. He is at Rotopat. Number seven, Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus at iHarditz on Twitter. And really, 
one of the best follows on all of Twitter, don't you think, Mike? Yes, I'm a big fan of Ian's. Uh, I talked to him briefly about an hour and a half ago about tonight, and um, maybe at some point, because I got to be more careful with what I say before players are picked or you know trends play out. But maybe I'll be able to share something from what his uh, well, the little bit I learned about what he was thinking. There you go. We don't want to give away their thinking before they make the picks. But these guys are all professionals. We're not revealing anybody that they don't know is I, still on the board. So no, you're right. But I, I want to be a professional too. <laughs> That's great. I'm striving for that. That's a valiant goal. Uh, Danny <laughs> Mueller is picking at number eight. He is a long time and very successful high stakes player. And he finished ahead of me in our DS Invitational League last year. He is at Danny Mueller one. Number nine in the draft order tonight, Mike Randall of four for four, fantasy pros, Roto Underworld, SBR sports picks, basically writing for anywhere that wants him, I think, at Randall Rant. Number 10, Jared Smola, one of the most accurate rankers in all of fantasy football, Draft Shark's central nervous system, basically, and my buddy for the podcast, he is at Smola DS on Twitter. Number 11, Michael Leva. And Adam, I think he's somebody that you just don't really want to draft against because he's a professor with degrees in psychology and economics. So he knows what you're thinking. He knows the way the economy works. He knows the efficient way to do things. He's a former professional uh, poker player. So he knows the odds. He's a longtime best ball player. So he knows the format. I'm scared of him, Adam. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, if he knows what I'm thinking, he knows I have no idea what economics is doing. So he's he's got two of them knocked off right off the bat. Um, yeah, and I, great, great drafter. Obviously, very, very experienced. Um, and uh, yeah, tough room. I love seeing where these high stakes cash game guys are going to be drafting. And uh, he's right behind Smola, so uh, we'll see those two duke it out all night. At Mike C. Oliva on Twitter. And then number 12 to close things out, Curtis Patrick, owner of Rotoviz, also an accomplished high stakes and best ball player. He is at C. Patrick NFL on Twitter. So now let's get to the picks. Now that you know who's making these picks, let's go to first in the order I said was Zachary Kruger. And he kind of told us who this pick was going to be on Twitter. You know, did it, did it, uh, did not blatantly, but showed us it was probably going to be Josh Allen. And that's who came off the board first. And this draft, we got five quarterbacks to start off this super flex format. Again, it's best ball. It's 25 rounds. We start three wide receivers. We got a second flex spot beyond that super flex position. So we started this one with five quarterbacks, Josh Allen to Zach Kruger. We got Lamar Jackson to Abib, Justin Herbert, third off the board to Allen Soslowski. Scott Fish took Patrick Mahomes at four. And then Kyler Murray at five to Pat Thorman. Mike, is this more like what you would have expected most drafts to look like at the top? Or are you a little surprised we didn't get the first running back until the sixth pick? No, it is uh, what I would normally expect. It's also what I'd not want to be drafting in. I much prefer watching a draft like this instead of being in one. I thought I was lucky the first night that quarterbacks went later. I got Jalen Hurts at 12, and here he went at seven. Um, but, you know, also at the same time in a room of super smart players, you're going to inherently want to be different. And so that set, set things up for the guys toward the end of the first round. I'm sure we'll talk to Jared at some point and see uh, what he was expecting when he picked 10th. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jared says he'll come on sometime later in the show, as long as we're not too full up in the uh, stream room here. But all the drafters have been invited. We'll see if anybody uh, joins us along the way. We got several joining us at the last stream, which was fun. So we'll see who we get to talk to tonight. Beyond that Kyler Murray pick at five, we had Jonathan Taylor go sixth to Patrick Doherty. We had Ian Harditz take Hertz at seven, as Mike said. 
Joe Burrow next off the board to Danny Mueller. Then Christian McCaffrey to Mike Randall. Cooper Cup to Smola at 10. Austin Eckler, number 11 to Michael Leva. And then Curtis Patrick took Dak Prescott to end the first round. Adam, are you surprised by any of the guys that came off the board in that first round? No, I'm not super surprised. I guess Eckler would be kind of a surprise, but not really. I mean, it's hard to say based on ADP, but, you know, he's generally the the third running back off the board. Um, I would have thought he would have maybe – Mike would have gone maybe Kelsey first and then Eckler because um, I feel like with the tight end premium. Um, but, uh, but you know, Eckler's mm. fine there. And D- Dak Prescott, I feel like I haven't really talked a lot about him at all. I mean, even on the, on the deep end and with you guys, I feel like he's a guy that – that I'm probably fading that, that I am fading. I don't think I have him anywhere. Um, he's a guy that isn't going to run as much as he used to. He's getting older. He's coming off. He not coming off injuries, but he's had significant lower body injuries. Um, loses Amari Cooper. Um, I, you know, the offense isn't as explosive. They're going to maybe run the ball more with two good running backs there. I would have probably taken Brady Wilson, Lance, maybe even a healthy Stafford. I don't know. I'm just not a huge cousins fan. I know you got to get a quarterback there. I've, for, for sure. Uh, but Dak, I'm not, I'm not super high on Dak. Mike, do you think the most surprising thing of round one is Adam calling a 29 year old guy older? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. Uh, I would have answered Prescott to that question too. I don't mind it. You know, I'm looking for stacks probably getting late there. Like I thought maybe Jared going cup over Jefferson could have meant Stafford and it didn't. And I thought maybe Prescott, or, you know, other guys in this range could have also meant stacks. And it's still only the second round, so we're going to have plenty of chances to see that materialize. Um, but it is early for Prescott in terms of quarterback rankings, going eight here ahead of Brady, Russell Wilson, and Lance, at least. I'm a little surprised that Jared took up because I know that he has been talking a bit lately about the question with Stafford's elbow making him maybe a little bit less comfy with cup at the top right. of the board. Obviously it's not the top of the board when you're picking 10th, but that's because it's super flex and he's pushed down. So he's the third non quarterback off the board. And you mentioned if you're betting on cup there, he doesn't take Stafford back around the turn. So that seems like a bit of a hedge on Stafford's elbow. I Dak Prescott. I don't really mind. And I've been wondering if I'm too low on him. He's not somebody that I've really drafted a whole lot, but I, I'm really not against him there. So I, I I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised that Jared opted for cup over Trey Lance at that 10 spot. Cause I know how much he loves Trey Lance. The, the quarterbacks there are pretty bunched together though. I wonder, um, I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out his thinking later on on exactly yeah. who he picked at those two spots. He took Brady over Lance too. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if that Brady pick is a bet that, you know, stack options, make it back to him there later on. Very, very interested to talk to Jared at some point about those two picks. Around that turn, Curtis Patrick took Dak Prescott to end round one, then Justin Jefferson at the top of round two. I think that's, Adam, a good example of not reaching for the stack if you don't think that C.D. Lamb is that close to Justin Jefferson and instead taking the wide receiver that you believe is you know closer to the top of the board, maybe fantasy's top wide out by the end of this season. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I mean, I I wouldn't have taken Dak there. But if you're gonna go Dak, I yeah, I, I wouldn't have gone Lamb. Yeah, Jefferson's just just at another level. He's in, he's in the next tier for me. Up now, I do love Lamb. Uh, in fact, I 
he went well you can get into where he went but i i i like him at the at the one two turn in standard drafts so um but i love jefferson even more so i'm, I'm perfectly okay with that pick Mike, you brought up stacks. Do you think maybe if if we were looking at a best ball mania draft on underdog right here, it would be, but you know, it, it's super flex style. So I guess one of the puppy with super flex drafts instead of best ball mania, you think it's Dak then lamb, even if Jefferson's on the board because of the larger field. Maybe I would ask you whether you think it should be like just what the value of it, value of that strategy is and how it compares format to format. I, I might be closer to going Lamb over Jefferson there than you guys. I, I think I am because I think, you know, this is – got to beat 71 teams and, you know, it's only been three already, but you might want to know uh, what stacks have been achieved already. I think, you know, it's not – what are the odds that Lamb outperforms Jefferson? Maybe 35%, 40%? Uh, is that low enough to rule out that, uh, that option for him? So, um, you know, different strokes, but – Jefferson is great and he'll have other chances like we've said already to uh, put different stacks together. If that's how he feels that he wants to do. Yeah. I think there's plenty of time to play with it and get other players to work in the stacks. I, I think that it's a big enough tournament that I would either, you know, just looking at those two players, I would either like to have lamb with Prescott or Jefferson with cousins. Cause I don't know that there is a huge difference between Dak Prescott and Kirk cousins in terms of upside so, you know, we've talked about it on the previous three shows. It, the size of the tournament means you don't have to stack, but it's a tournament and you still want to stack because we all know that, that things are not going to go exactly the way we expect. So the point of stacking is to um, decrease the you know number of things that you need to go right to get that ultimate ceiling. If, if you want to go value, like I, I drafted 12th. And I had all these different ideas for what I wanted to do. And it came to be my turn and there was Hertz. And so, okay, we're doing this. It was almost Murray and Hertz. Okay, we're doing this. And so Curtis would be interesting to find out like if he was really wanted to push in on Prescott or like you draft at the end and you're worried about who your quarterbacks are going to be if you pass. And so, I mean, that clock runs fast. <laughs> it just so many different ways to go. Uh, trying to predict maybe he would have thought or somebody toward the end would have thought that with eight quarterbacks in round one, it would be a while. There'd be good options coming back rounds three and four. Turns out that seven more went in the second round, but then it, then it cooled off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's get further into that second round, because after Jefferson to start off round two, we got Michael Leva taking Travis Kelsey, so his first two picks, non-quarterbacks. He's actually the only person who went through two rounds of the draft with no quarterbacks. Jared followed up Cooper Cup with Tom Brady, as we mentioned. Um, Mike Randall took Russell Wilson as his second pick to follow Christian McCaffrey. Danny Mueller doubled up on QB, followed Joe Burrow with Trey Lance. Aaron Rodgers to Ian Harditz's team to join Jalen Hurts. Matthew Stafford with Jonathan Taylor for Patrick Doherty. Pat Thorman took Jamar Chase with Kyler Murray. Notable that Jamar Chase made it past the Joe Burrow team, but Danny Mueller obviously going with two you know, higher end quarterbacks to start his team as opposed to chasing that quarterback wide receiver stack. Although looking back at that team, we now have a few wide receivers off the board. One, two, three, four, five, six. So Adam, do you think maybe that's a spot where you think about instead of taking the running back that he took, possibly taking T Higgins to stack with that first quarterback, Joe Burrow? 
Maybe if it wasn't for the running back that he took, <laughs> I love the running back that he took Saquon Barkley. Uh, in fact, in my job, I, I got to stop looking. This is why I don't look at drafts like everybody else does. Cause I just get so annoyed at where the players <laughs> I went go. Like in my draft, he went uh, just after my second round, pick. he went like mid to late second. And here he goes late third uh, says Saquon Barkley. So, but again, that's the, that's that, that is the beauty of this, of this style is you can build it any, any way you want. He goes quarterback, quarterback, running back and maybe he still does get Higgins coming coming back around you know I'm trying to look to see if he went yet no so um yeah it's just interesting cuz you can't it's hard to predict what other people are going to do too cuz they could do they could go so many different routes so um I know I really like his start um Burrow I'm not huge on on, on Burrow but I love love Lance love Barkley and I love the um I love the build so far quarterback quarterback running back yeah, Mike, we're going to be in the studio tomorrow talking about players who give us good vibes or bad vibes in drafts right now. And Joe Burrow has the appendicitis. You know, he had the surgery to get it removed. He's recovering from it. He's around practice, but he's not on the field. And the team just said there's no timeline for his return. What kind of vibes are you getting from Joe Burrow right now? Because I can't say that he's the comfiest guy for me. Very mixed. I mean, they're, they're such a tough team to predict because you have sort of even obvious pluses and minuses. I mean, the, the pluses are more obvious, what they did last year, how good his receiving core is. You know, they're, they're investing in the franchise, the draft, the offensive line, all those things sort of arrow up. He's still young. But the minuses are sort of maybe more nuanced in terms of the schedule this year or expectations, Super Bowl hangover type stuff, if you believe in that. I really don't. Not worried about his, his current health state, but the efficiency numbers were so – impressive on burrow and he still didn't even really finish that high at his position so i think he'll do very well to repeat that and mixon is still mixon so i don't know like it's back and forth it's a tennis match for me on burrow but i almost never get him because like adam mentioned lance and you guys did wilson and other guys are just more interesting to me as quarterback one and you know in super flex you get what you get but um most of the time i, I end up somewhere else yeah, I would be a little different on Burrow right now if he weren't sitting out with the appendix, um, you know, recovery. And, you know, it's not that I'm worried that that's going to keep bugging him into the season, but we've heard from previous players who had something that just stopped them from training for a while. And then it just makes it tough for them to get back up to full strength. I wonder if we're going to experience some of that with Joe Burrow. Overall, I'm certainly not worried about him because you mentioned he was very good efficiency-wise last year. And even though that means some room for regression, it was also coming off his ACL tear. And we saw him improve late in the season. He had young receivers with him, including the first year of Jamar Chase. So there's certainly room for just the offense and all those skill position players to just get better at football and better at NFL football this year. So not a group I want to be out on, but it's it's also the price makes me you know just a little bit uncomfortable about paying for those top bangles um, here and there. Uh, we have Danny Mueller coming back up right now, Adam, and we yeah, do have T Higgins making it back to him. And I was, I was going to say that just as you were making that point with six wideouts off the board to that point, um, there was a pretty good chance 
or at least a decent chance that T Higgins would make it around the turn to him. So I think it was the right move to wait. And he still didn't take <laughs> he that pick. Took he's a wide prove, out of He's kill. proven us wrong. And, and listen, I have Tyreek, been waiting. I've been waiting to say he had two other options too for a stack yes, from one of his yes, quarterbacks. Yes. One of them went Debo, but yeah, it, it wasn't the other guy there possibly either. Tyreek. I, I was going to say, he's like Danny just, you know, he he's locked into this thing. I'm like, Oh, he knows he can get Debo or Higgins. He's good to go. And then he takes uh, Tyreek Hill, who's awesome, especially in best ball. So I, I think picks like that reveal to us just how much somebody likes that player. Because if you have Tyreek Hill and T. Higgins right next to each other, then why not take T. Higgins to stack him with Joe Burrow? Sure. But if you think Tyreek Hill is significantly better or even just that he has a significantly higher ceiling, then you know, go ahead and take Tyreek Hill there. Absolutely. Yep. So we had we went through the Jamar Chase pick in round two. Kirk Cousins was the second pick for Scott Fish. He started with two quarterbacks. We had Alan Soslowski take Dalvin Cook after his first round shot at Justin Herbert. We got Lamar Jackson followed by Stefan Diggs for a Beebs team. He played stack blocker to Zach, who was might have been hoping for Stefan Diggs to get to that uh, two three turn. He did not. So Zach took Josh Allen, took Devontae Adams in round two, took Mark Andrews in round three, maybe Dead playing blocker. Stack yes. Yes. We got a duel going on right at the beginning of I the draft it. order. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I was a little surprised that Abib didn't take uh, Andrews there. Maybe he thought he could get him on the way back around. But then again, some people just maybe they don't, they're not huge stack people, especially in these tournaments that aren't, that aren't massive. But um, yeah, it was funny. They kind of blocking each other there. Um, I do like, for the record, I do like lamb in a vacuum over Devontae Adams this year. I just think um, there's too many, there's too big of a range of outcomes for Adams, right? Like he has quarterback, massive quarterback downgrade, not massive, but a pretty significant mm-hmm. quarterback downgrade in the court and the competition there uh, for, for targets is going to be through, through, through the roof. So um, lamb, I think lamb is the clear cut number one receiver in Dallas. Um, and I think he's ready to explode this year. Yeah. I'm very interested to see how his season goes. I think that that whole group of wideouts at the end of round one and beginning around two is pretty tightly packed. And I would not be shocked if lamb emerges and finishes even a little bit higher than his ADP. I think I, I wonder, oh, I don't remember if we mentioned, but it is tight end premium here. So tight ends getting pushed up the board. Kelsey still made it into round two, uh, just past that one, two turn Mark Andrews at the top of round three, and then Kyle Pitts with the fourth pick of round three. So I, am especially interesting to watch a choices there. Um, you know, Mark Andrews fits the tight end premium. We also have to start three wide receivers every week. So that increases the value of wideouts. And I mean, Adam, that's why you set up the format the way you did when you made this baby, right? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I like the flexibility to be able to go any route that, that you want to go. I generally end up taking uh, quarterbacks kind of early um, just because I like to get, I like to get it out of the way. I like to get a couple of stuns. Although I think I went quarterback in the first, the fourth and the sixth, maybe, but I got three starters and, I was happy uh, with the way that, that that turned out. But, you know, I ended up getting like Trevor Lawrence in the third and he – or in the fourth, and he goes in the, in, in the third here. So um, that, that that's the cool thing is people are building any way that they want, and there's a bunch of different ways to, to win. We had eight quarterbacks in round one. We had six more in round two, so 14. And then near the middle of round three is when the next quarterback came off the board, Justin Fields, at the five spot to Pat Thorman was his second quarterback through three rounds. Then Derek Carr 
with the next one to Patrick Doherty. Mike, do you think that you would have stacked Devontae Adams with Derek Carr back at the 2-3 turn and left Mark Andrews for the guy right behind you who already had Lamar Jackson on his roster? I, I like the Andrews pick more than Carr uh, for Zach because I think you see quarterbacks go so half of them and almost half the starters were gone by the end of round two, almost. So my guess would have been that it's going to slow down because you're going to, you see players like Pitts and Lamb and Debo Samuel and Barkley, you know, in the third round and the fourth round looks much like that too. You're looking at like second round players in other leagues. And I think, you know, most of these guys, plus you want to test yourself in this room. I think, you know, let's see if I need to get to the very last few starters for my second or even third at that point, I'd be willing to take that gamble. So it doesn't surprise me that, uh, that Zach did. Plus he's got the QB one, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have to start two every week. And so he's, he's got an advantage of that position across the board. Um, I, I like Andrews and I think that there's a pretty good chance that was what we saw between those two guys with Diggs, and then hoping for Andrews or to put the pressure on Zach to let Andrew slip back to him and Zach uh, wouldn't let it happen. <laughs> and, and that's, that's a great point, Mike. Like first three guys all did that. Allen, Lamar, Herbert, they all, probably feel like, okay, I have a leg up uh, because I do have an elite QB. uh, So I'm just going to kind of rest on them knowing that I don't have to start two QBs and maybe I'll get depth later. Um, And and then, you know, plus it comes back around you like, man, do I take, you know, Stefan Diggs and CeeDee Lamb or do I take, you know, Derek Carr, like Justin Fields? It's like, it's just a gross uh, decision to have to make, to have to take a quarterback. But, but I'll tell you, it doesn't get easier because <laughs> then you get to the, you know, the quarterbacks get worse and worse and worse. And you're still looking at guys like Cortland Sutton and, and Mike Evans, you know, hall of famer, Mike Evans. Like how do I pass on these guys yes. for, for uh, you know, for, for Tua, you know, stuff like that. So um, eventually it kind of evens out where, okay, the, the stud skill guys are gone. And now I can kind of settle back into like the depth quarterbacks there that are down the 23, 24 you, range. You said you went one, four, six, in yours, I think maybe I did that last year, and that turned out to be Prescott in the middle of round one because the pressure was on already, like this draft, and then rookie <laughs> ro- rookie Justin Fields, and then rookie Zach Wilson. Yeah, so how do you think I did? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm surprised at just how much quarterbacks slowed down after the hot start through the first two rounds because we just talked about how the two three turn went. Then C.D. Lamb followed Mark Andrews, Derrick Henry, Kyle Pitts. Then it's the middle of that round. We mentioned Justin Fields went. Derek Carr is the 16th quarterback, which is lower, I think, than his ADP is in most places now. Uh, then three more running backs, and Trevor Lawrence is the 17th quarterback. I, I'm not surprised through, you know, the, that several of the drafters in that range didn't take a third. Because if you've got two among the top 14, then you're set up pretty well. But I am a little bit surprised at those who are this far into the draft and feeling comfy with one. Even though you don't have to start a quarterback, the two quarterbacks every week, you still want to. I mean, that's the optimal is that you have two quarterbacks in your starting lineup every week throughout the year. So looking at where everybody is at quarterback right now, you know, we talked about both Zach and Abib at one end, they've now each gone four straight rounds without adding that second quarterback where even if you've got that strong guy at the top, Josh Allen for Zach, Lamar Jackson for Abib, I'm not sure I'm getting through four, the next four rounds without taking my second one. Certainly respectable 
Yeah, um, it's tough, especially being at, at the. At... Sorry, go go ahead, Mike. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. I, I sort of already made the point when it came to the car pick. You know, like I, I would want to challenge myself here and see. We'll see how it turns out, right, Matt? I mean, we've got twelve starter starting quarterbacks or so in the league still on the board. Um, now these guys at the far end who didn't get the luxury of the top three for their quarterback one, maybe it's a different, it's a different equation. Mm -hmm. And just to give a little bit more of the format, we've given it in pieces here, but it is super flex. You do start three receivers. It is tight end premium. There are 25 rounds to the draft. It's best ball, but full season, there's no playoff weeks. So just the team that scores the most points by the end wins six leagues. There's one league champion for each of those. And then there's also an overall leaderboard. And this isn't just some expert league. There's actual money on the line, not for entry fees, which I think can play into the strategies here. It's a little bit easier to play around with your build when you didn't pay to get in. But you want to win because the winner of each league gets 500 bucks. The one overall winner of the thing gets $5,000 from Lenny Papano's pocket. So (laughs) you should be trying to win this thing. I know I will be tomorrow night when I draft. (laughs) <laughs> yes and you, you you made money last year right right matt did you uh finish in the money uh not last year but the year before the first year okay. that it was on i won my league and last year i came in third behind crack rock who i drafted against for the second straight year and danny mueller finished right ahead of mm. me as well and i think guys i i've now tested it through two years the first year i did my draft on stream and i won uh, the second year I was off stream. I focused. I didn't even like check in with you guys during the draft <laughs> and I finished third. So clearly the results point to me needing to be on the stream tomorrow night. Yeah. I, I like to do this fun thing where I come in second overall in the competition and don't make any money because I'm always second in my league. Two years ago in the pros versus Joe's, I came in second overall, didn't win anything because the first overall was in my league last year, second overall in the draft sharks invitational Chad Schrader, was number one overall and in my league. And then last year I drafted in a main event where the team took down the whole thing <laughs> for a half a million dollars. So I'm just good luck for everybody else. You want to draft against me in my league. <laughs> Chad will be drafting against me tomorrow night. And by the way, in this draft, Danny Mueller is the two-time overall winner of that pros versus Joe's competition. So obviously knows what he's doing in the best ball format. So we'll be watching out for him here. I'm glad I don't have to draft against him this year since he finished ahead of me last year so getting back to those quarterbacks beyond the middle of the draft where we had one two three four five straight teams that had two quarterbacks by the end of their third round pick then we had several more toward the end that started with just one QB for a while Um, we had Jared took two and then on either side of him we had Danny waiting to take his first. We had Curtis at the end taking Dak, and then he still hasn't taken another one through his next five picks. We had, what team is that at nine? I'm cut off at the top of that, but I'll go over to where I have it listed. And Randall? Yeah, Mike Randall. So he took a quarterback in round two, which was Russell Wilson, after his Christian McCaffrey pick, and then waited a while. Got Davis Mills in round five, round six, as his second quarterback. So now, Mike, we're down to just the team at each end sitting on one QB, and we'll see what Zach's picks are. But what do you think of being through six selections? We'll start with Curtis way at the other end because he's the one that definitely only has one QB. He's through six picks now, still has du- just Dak Prescott at, at quarterback. 
I'm okay. You know, he, he's done a thing that sets him apart. Not only this, the quarterback point, but something else that we'll get to that I think is really cool. You know, he's, he's probably looking at the board and trying to find uh, ways to be different, to take advantage of what other guys aren't doing. And that's maybe an especially good idea when you're picking at the end. Uh, as far as Zach, you know, like we've said, it's Josh Allen. We'll see what he does here. But what was it we decided? It was 14 quarterbacks in the first two rounds, and it's been eight through almost the next four rounds. That still leaves 10 starters. So uh, there goes one of them to Zach at 612. But um, there's still time. Yeah, I agree. There's still some on the board. And I mentioned Davis Mills, and that kind of accelerated where I thought we were at quarterback. But I'm realizing that Davis Mills just actually went a little bit earlier than I would have guessed among the quarterbacks that were left on the board. Let's hit Jared's team real quick while we're at that end of the board because he followed the Cooper Cup pick in round one with Tom Brady, then Trevor Lawrence, then three straight running backs. Adam, he he has had uh, – so I guess he had just the one time where he could have taken Mike Evans a stack with Tom Brady, and he went with Alvin Kamara. So clearly – grabbing what he considers value in Camara. I was wondering aloud to myself if it was um, if he had two shots of Mike Evans, but then I realized it was the, at the start of that round. So Jared followed it with Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Travis Etienne, three running backs that I know he likes very much. Probably doesn't feel much pressure to add wide receivers right now with Cooper Cup as the first one. Yeah, no, he clearly has a plan. I think uh... – this has the the dra- a draft war room smell to it, right? It's got he's got the heavy heavy running backs. I'm sure the war room uh, was telling uh, was telling him to take Al- Alvin Kamara for, for sure. So, um, and uh, and yeah, no, I like I like what he's done. I mean, Connor in the fifth, come on, Etienne in the sixth, uh, you know, take taking that that, that value there, um, absolutely. And then you know, it is it is best ball, so you can go. Uh, I do like the strategy of running backs early. He's going heavy running back uh, in the middle there and getting good ones. I mean, if you think of a standard draft, those are a second, a third, and a fourth round pick or two, a second and two third round picks, you know? So uh, I really like what Jared's doing. I'm, assu- I'm eventually he'll probably grab uh, a tight end and then he'll just pound pound receiver. I would think, which is, which is a really nice strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see what wide receiver looks like for him. We'll see about tight end. Um, looking back at Curtis's team, he did eventually stack a cowboy with, Dak Prescott, and it was his most recent pick, Dalton Schultz, around the 5-6 turn. Mike, I'm going to guess that's what you were alluding to as the other thing he did to differentiate, and that is those two straight tight ends at that 5-6 turn. Uh, George Kittle first at the end of round five, and then Dalton Schultz. Absolutely. There's a stack with Schultz. There can always be the potential for one. If we talked about with that team, we've talked a lot about it tonight. He didn't pick Lamb, but he got to Schultz to start round six. Two tight ends is different. They've only been four picked or three actually four it is four before his pick of Kittle at 512 I keep wanting Kittle to go earlier in these um I'm thinking about Dwayne McFarlane in league two and I was just early on that and also tonight thinking about Danny in uh, round four when we were talking about T Higgins and Debo I'm thinking about Kittle there as well because I like I like the elite tight end in every format just about especially tight end premium Mm-hmm. and um, Kittle for me qualifies, so tear break, and I keep wanting him to go earlier than he has. He went 6-2 in mind. I was just checking, so more of the same. Just nobody's, I guess, reaching for him. Yeah, Kittle at 5-10 in mind. Uh, can I can I call out Jared's pick when he's on the clock, or is that is that not? 
Is that not kosher? <laughs> I have an idea too. <laughs> I think I know who it is. I think I know who it is. Um, but it, I would imagine was, that Jared would say, "Don't do it," because he doesn't want somebody to take it if it if he's hoping that it's going to make it back around. No. Right, honor which system. I won't. Honor system. I won't. Honor system. I won't. I won't say anything. But if uh, I think I think I nailed it, which we which would be a great pick, and and we'll we'll discuss it once he. That's once it. You can go ahead and praise. Uh, his hypothetical selection before he makes it. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll do the hypothetical when he's when he's on when he's on on, on the clock. But I think uh, Mike Randall's still picking. But um, yeah, like I said, some 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 interesting builds. I really like. Um, yeah, I really like the build Jared, Jared's doing. The, you know, the the two elite tight end build is really. F- I mean, it's not elite with. I mean, Schultz isn't considered an elite tight end, but um, I the two early to tight ends is really uh it's really a fun thing to do it's unique uh, i did it in the in an ffwc main event the other day not not tight end premium but it was you know being able to get because a lot of times guys just pass on pass on players because it's pass on tight ends because it's not tight end premiums right? but if you actually go look at projections and stuff like they project a lot of the uh, top ones there he is dallas goddard I knew it. I wasn't going to say it. I've Great got pick. it too, but I've also got the next one written down. I want to get the bubble and show both things. <laughs> Dallas Goddard. So that's a guy I took in a like the ninth round of a um, of an FFWC main event, and I took him as my tight end too because he um, he's going to score more points than than the receivers going in that range, even in non tight end premium. So um, I love that Goddard pick for Jared. Works with his build beautifully. Um, major to me, major tear break after Goddard. In fact, I like Goddard better than, um, Hawkinson better than Schultz. So uh, great pick. Um, maybe going forward, you guys could just write down who Jared's pick is going <laughs> to just hold it up. You can hold it up for the camera. And we'll about, see. I, I think I'm going to be wrong here. Uh, I, got, <laughs> I got Goddard at eight one. That's pretty close. Uh, I think I'm going to be wrong here. This is like a little, this would be plus Plus four fifty. Plus I'm right four fifty. Plus, it's a parlay though. We've already locked in on Goddard. That would pay great. Oh, okay, <laughs> you should buy out now. Buy out now. Good, good sign for the bare knuckle because I thought of Mooney when he, he was on deck. I'm like Mooney because I was thinking about oh, is he gone yet? The other guy I want to mention. And I think he did go. Amonra. Yeah, there he is. Two, they're mm-hmm. always so close together. I thought about him for uh, a beeb after he took Goff, but went for quarterback three. By the way, I Goff is such like- a Sorry, go ahead, man. I, I definitely like Mooney and Bateman well ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown ahead of really? uh, cross formats. Really? Yeah. I think that among those three guys, one of them doesn't have a great shot at a dominant target share, and the other two do. Who are we talking about? Mooney? Mooney, Bateman, Bateman Mooney, and, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And you think Amon Ross doesn't have the dominant timeshare? Yeah, I think among those three guys, both Bateman and Mooney should definitely be the number one wideouts for their team and both could get 25 plus percent target share. And I don't think that that's within St. Brown's reach without other guys getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 a valid point. I think that's probably why he's in. Well, this is super flex, but I think that's why he goes where he goes. Right. If they didn't have a healthy Hawk, if they didn't add Jamison Williams, he probably won't be back till mid-season i don't i haven't really heard much much on him but um but yeah but it's just guys with that profile guys with uh, end up generally continuing to to do well but um it's just the guys around him i like i like a little bit better like you said obviously bateman uh, certainly juju so um but i don't i don't hate him on rob but but to stay with the lions like golf i think such a great pick a made out i think big time being able to get golf 
uh, in the sixth round as his QB two after getting a stud in, in, in Lamar Jackson. Um, that's that's what you want to see when you when you're waiting all, all that time. But I'm, but you're right. I am surprised that he had, he didn't stack him. That's interesting, Matt. I mean, no doubt what you say about target share makes sense. Will Baltimore throw 30 passes a game? You know, maybe not. That's the other side of that. Andrews exists. But I think like the, the counterpoint on Baltimore is volume. And on Chicago, they might throw 30 passes a game, but complete 15. You know, some sort of really bad efficiency with the Bears where everything seems to look bad. How much do you think Detroit will pass? They look like they want to do a lot of it. I mean, maybe we should watch Hard Knocks tonight, but man, signing Chark, not a huge investment, but drafting Williams and what Hawkinson's draft capital is, and then this guy, and if they're losing a lot, which seems probable, maybe, like, I think that could be, and you've probably already thought of all this, but the other side of that coin in terms of, like, there's the target share on one and then, you know, maybe uh, a lot more volume on the other. The, the My issue there is I don't think Dan Campbell is going to be a 60% pass rate on purpose coach. He's a hard-nosed former tight end, blocking tight end, wants to run the ball. And, you know, it's a little bit tough to fully gauge based on what they did last year because by the time he was in charge of calling plays late in the season after they um, took it away from Anthony Lynn, you know, there were a lot of injuries. That was part of what pushed St. Brown up. Uh, it also probably pushed their rushing rate up. So I, I don't think any of these three teams is going to be enormous total volume wise. And so that makes me lean toward Bateman as the best player among these guys. Mooney as the best bet to have a dominant target share. And then Amon Ross St. Brown is somewhere behind him. And frankly, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is significantly behind those guys for me as well, who went ahead of them in this draft, which is why I bring him up. I want to bet on Campbell being pass happy because I think it's a great classic coach move to show up with one persona. And then and this has gone both ways at times, different guys you can think of, you know, you could have a, a, a coach who comes off the opposite way of Campbell, but they want to run the ball all the time and establish the run. Maybe uh, it's the genius of Dan Campbell that you're going to think you're going to stereotype him as a big, you know, hulking former player uh, who's going to come out and just destroy you with data. <laughs> destroy you with data that should be on a, on a, on a t-shirt i do want to bet on dan data. campbell and the lions to a degree this year but uh i'm on ross st brown's just not the place where i want to make that how, how did the bills do it right i mean sean mcdermott had a tough tougher persona still does brian dable had never coached any sort of fancy passing you know good passing offense where you could point to it and go yeah that's what Buffalo's going to be then they were and that was josh allen and a lot of people would say well he's the reason why and that might be right uh, anyway, think, I, my chips are down on Amon Ra in Detroit. Yeah, and I think the best coaches just do what, what their strengths of their team are. Like if you, I'm going back a million years, but I think wasn't Brian Billick the offensive coordinator for the for the Vikings, Vikings when they were unstoppable, and then he goes to Baltimore and they don't score an offensive touchdown for like seven straight weeks, and they and they <laughs> don't lose a game because they got the best defense of all time. So I think uh, you know he knew he had to run the ball. He had a terrible quarterback. Great line great running back so um yeah i think that if if and i think the new old coordinator for the for the lions is a tight ends coach former tight ends coach from there i think right so um maybe 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 hawk gets more involved maybe they do pass them all a little bit more but uh i'm on ron is he's he's in a tier for me um and i can just have a couple other receivers out of him 
So let's look at Curtis Patrick's team again, because we talked about it a few times and he did wait on quarterback after Dak in round one, but then he just took Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, back-to-back picks. And I would have to count through to see exactly what quarterbacks they are. But, you know, looking at it at this point, since we've talked about his weight on quarterback, Mike, do you think it worked out for him with who he landed on? Yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. We're, we're somewhere around 25. I think there goes Mayfield, maybe 26, but I might be off by one. Um, and Jefferson is his only receiver. And that's sort of like the Josh Allen thing where I've got the best guy in the game. So I can, it's 25 rounds. He could draft 10 more receivers if he wants. He's got Kittle and Schultz and three quarterbacks. Now two top running backs. He can really, you know, just swing at wide receiver the rest of the night. Yeah. It was QB 26 and 27 off the board. Carson Wentz went the pick before Zach Wilson. So, you know, that could have been in the pool as well. Baker Mayfield was still on the board. He's gone now. So I agree. I mean, if you're going to wait, that's how you're hoping that it's going to work out. And I think as long as people aren't going too quarterback thirsty, it can really work out in Superflex to take somebody that's top 10 to begin things and then wait while some other folks are gobbling up, worried about things running out. And, you know, you gauge it, especially if you're on the end, you gauge how that round went. There's always going to be some gamble to it. But I think it's fine to take one of those, you know, near top guys and then wait and collect some of these lower level players that you're never going to put into a starting lineup yourself in a one quarterback league. But if you're just sitting them on your team and, and hoping for spike weeks, it works out. I'm sure that he'll add another quarterback at some point, though he doesn't need to over these next few rounds now that he got two, at least as far as we know right now, locked in starters in Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones. I, yeah, I have I was, a I have a quarterback. Sorry, Adam, just quickly. I have a quarterback name. I was going to ask if he gets drafted tonight, uh, but would that be bad to do? You're wondering if he's going to get drafted at all? Yes. Oh, I think that's fine to bring up. Mason Rudolph. Maybe. Is there another report this week on him? <laughs> Shark bite? Is there a shark bite at Mason Rudolph? <laughs> Read the shark bites, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. Like he's still just sort of sitting there, and they say he's going to play a lot in this preseason game. And the other two guys have been kind of terrible. Maybe. Sure. I mean, yeah. There, there's going to be guys with Mason Rudolph's archetype. Am I allowed? Can I can I say that? And they're going to get drafted in this. <laughs> Word of the in week. This, Nailed it. And in, in, in this draft, but. That's the thing about wait when you wait on quarterback that long. I, I'm wondering if he would have wanted Carson Wentz there because I think he's a little more solidified. Zach Wilson is solidified, but he could be awful again. I mean, he was really, really bad last year, bad football wise, bad fantasy wise. And Daniel Jones, who I, you know, loved up until a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they're talking about he has a neck injury that that is he he had, his velocity is shot. You know, he's getting benched in practice for Terod Taylor. Like, Terod Taylor, um, uh, you know, now I don't want to go stealing anyone's picks, but, like, Terod Taylor yeah. might be the guy that you want to pick for, for, for right. this team, and, and maybe he will. So, um, that, yeah, right, right, because the Jets have have talent there. I mean, oh, God, they have Jeff and Joe Flacco. is, is gross, but that's, super, <laughs> that's, that, that's what happens when you're in a 25-round super flex draft with no kickers and no defenses. Yes. Yeah, and you know, you might think Mason Rudolph and think, well, that's stupid. Why would anybody take Mason Rudolph? Jarrett Stidham went in the last draft late in that one. So that is what you're considering here is those backup quarterbacks come into play. It's just like a handcuff running back where probably they're not giving you anything, but they're an injury away. And 
yeah, I mean, you know, Mason Rudolph, I think, could work as a very late round pick here. I don't think he's going to be on my roster, and I'm giving that one away for free to my competitors tomorrow night. <laughs> Mason Rudolph. Um, but I can see the path to him. I'm not going to call somebody else stupid if they do it ahead of me in round 24. I I wouldn't. I picked Pickett in mine um, because Pickett, like, they have to they have to get him on the field eventually. Yeah. I, I mean, right? I said that about Lance, though. Lance was even more, obviously, they have to get him on the field. And right. They didn't, except right. for an injury, and they went to the NFC Championship. Yeah, I mean, I think the part of that is we can sit here and say they got to put him on the field. They took him in round one. Obviously, they believe he's the future. But you don't want to put a quarterback out there if you think it's going to damage him, you know, going forward. We've seen that happen with rookie quarterbacks before. Who knows for sure how Joey Harrington might have felt or might have fared if he had more time to learn before going in or how David Carr might have fared if he didn't get sacked 112 times as a rookie. But, you know, if you can afford to and you think your guy needs some time to develop, then uh, there's there's nothing wrong with doing that, as plenty of examples have showed us. Looking away from Curtis Patrick, but at that end of the board still, we had – so Jared took those two quarterbacks, took Dallas Goddard, as you predicted. Are you Did he take guys that you expected him to take after that, took Michael Thomas and Kadarius Toney with his next two picks? Either of you guys write those down before he made them? <laughs> no, but I, I think looking at the list after I wrote my guy down, Thomas was the right – I mean, Thomas outranks – uh, uh, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, no matter what. Match Christian game. Christian Kirk. Um, Lawrence, but Kirk, I mean, he went uh, the next round. It, was a little, it would have been early for Kirk. Yeah, and I, I like Thomas. Thomas is a guy that we, I think we might talk a little bit more about tomorrow, but uh, I think it's a great pick there for for Jared. To, you know, it's time to start hitting receiver. And Michael Thomas, you could do worse as your wide receiver, too, in the eighth round uh, than, than Michael Thomas, for sure. Right. For sure. And you were talking about the arm issues with Daniel Jones. That was from Dan Schneier, who we had on the podcast yesterday uh, in our Team Insider series. So you can check out that episode on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, DraftSharks.com, wherever you want to find your podcast. That's a free show for anybody. A good one. He, he gave a lot of info. Clearly a close Giants watcher. So some good info from that one. And, you know, all the other folks. We just did our 12th today with Greg Allman of The Athletic talking bucks. So Check out all those episodes on this channel where you're watching this or elsewhere. Um, Mike Randall next to Jared took Russell Wilson as his quarterback in round two, sandwiched that between a couple of running backs, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, then two receivers, Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks, Davis Mills as his second quarterback in round six, ahead of some other guys that are interesting, but I think it's a range that makes sense for him. Then uh, Darnell Mooney, Brandon Ayuk, the next two we saw, let's see, if Brandon Ayuk right ahead of Danny Mueller, who might have had the stacking opportunity there with Trey Lance. And then Chase Edmonds, his most recent pick. Um, Mike, does anything stand out to you from that one? Do you think that he did okay in waiting on that second quarterback with Davis Mills? And or would you have also added a third at some point since then? Still might. You said it. I mean, Mills was early. It, it threw you off because you, you see Davis Mills. You think you're like your two quarterback, 28 or whatever, but that was more like 20, I think. It was not definitely not 28. Mayfield might have been 28. Um, he had Cooks, Matt, so I'm guessing that's part of it. I mean, there, there there's a path for that team to throw a ton and be uh, successful. There's another receiver still on the board from that team that people like. So um guessing that 
Cooks had something to do with Mills, but I'm okay there. Strong at receiver. A lot of Brandon Ayuk steam right now. Uh, that, that could definitely go well. And just like in other drafts, you love some of these running backs in this range, and that includes Edmonds for me. So, uh, yeah, that works. No running tight ends back. yet. Running backs are interesting to look at because especially looking at the guys that we have on each end of this draft. So uh, Zach Kruger has not taken a running back yet. And I believe he's the only team. Yeah. Only team with no running backs right now. I know he has some Rotoviz roots, so not <laughs> shocked to see the zero RB approach for him at the opposite end of the draft is Curtis Patrick, who, as I mentioned, is the current owner of Rotoviz. He took a couple of early running backs in Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette at the three, four turn. So, you know, it's, it's interesting just to look at those two versus each other. I don't know specifically how big a zero RB proponent Curtis Patrick is. I would imagine that he is at least a supporter of it though. Yeah, for sure. And, and trust me, I am, uh, I really like that hero zero RB strategy, but I like it more for, um, lineup setting leagues, best ball. Again, I like to go running backs early, but Hey, if you're going to go with zero RB, I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of committing to it and he's, and he's, and he's doing it now, as long as he continues to, I don't want to talk about a draft team, but as long as he continues to go with some of the, some of the crux that zero RB is built on, um, and gets a certain uh, type of running back and, and gets a certain amount of running backs, um, I'm, I can't, I don't remember if he picked pick a tight end and I can't see right now, but, um, generally, you know, that, that strategy is, is open to, you know, elite quarterback, elite tight end, tons of really good receivers. And then just, uh, backup running backs, hoping for, <laughs> hoping for more than zero money back. So, yeah, we got whoever is, um, commenting via the rotowire handle on the YouTube channel right now says zero running back equals zero money back. So, <laughs> Gauntlet thrown down to Zach's right. zero RB team in this draft. That's right. I'm guessing that's Alan Soslowski, maybe at three, who has four <laughs> running backs. Well. There you go. <laughs> he did throw out there in the fan tracks chat at the beginning that he was getting things rocking. Yep, confirmation. It is Alan Soslowski. And he threw out at the beginning <laughs> that he was getting the fan tracks chat going for trash talk. He loved to see that. I mean, that that's one of the fun parts of any fantasy draft. And it's nice when, you know, these pro drafters can come together and still have a little fun with it like that <laughs> on fan tracks. We'll be able to see the overall leaderboard. You guys have been saying, can yeah, we, yeah. is there, is there any way already to sort of put the leagues together? If you know, like um, one feature that would be good, even on underdog where you draft somebody enough times, there's that exposure tab and you can see how many times you got them. It'd be great if there were, uh, like a, a, another tab where you could see what round or what pick you, they were in all your drafts. I'm, I'm certainly uh, in awe of underdog. I'm not saying that there's, there's a flaw or anything like that, but that would be nice to have. And in like, even in, in terms of our broadcasting tonight, we're talking about George Kittle or some other, some other player, there, there'd be like a function where you could see, all right, five, 11, six, two, five, eight, whatever mm-hmm. picks he went in in other drafts, but we are going to be able to chart the leaderboard uh, this way, apparently through the season. Mm-hmm. Which will be fantastic. A lot, lot less work for, for us for over you. Draft Sharks trying to assemble those, <laughs> those, those top tens. Zach Kruger did take his first running back just now, and it is middle reliever Ken Walker of the <laughs> Seattle baseball team. So he joins a squad that also more recently added its second quarterback, Josh Allen back in round one. 
and then Zach waited a while and took Mac Jones at the six, seven turn as a second quarterback probably fell some based on the recent reports of the Patriots offense struggling Adam. That was after, you know, where I said Davis Mills threw me off a little bit with just how many quarterbacks were off the board. So we had, let's see, we had 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I believe that Davis Mills was the 20th off the board. And then Jameis 21st, Jared Goff 22nd, Mac Jones 23rd. So really it's a fair range for Mac Jones, but just some of the guys he went behind, Jared Goff uh, and Davis Mills in particular, seems like maybe a little bit lower than he might have a week ago. Yeah, and I, I mean, Mac Jones is a guy I don't, I don't think I have any of. I mean, I just... I'm out. And I, got, I mean, they're on a team that isn't very good, doesn't have very good skill guys, doesn't who's calling the plays. He can't run. Uh, you know, they're just the the offense is, is not going to be great. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm out on on Mac, on Mac Jones for sure. But I, you know, I understand in, in a super flex where you got it, you know, you got to grab him eventually. Um, and maybe he, he had his heart broken, Zach did on, on losing Jared Goff there. But, um, but yeah, the zero RB build. I mean. The Kenneth Walker pick, great pick. I mean, for uh, if you're going with a zero RB build, you're looking at a guy here that's an injury. Maybe he'll win the job uh, outright, and he's an injury away to Sony Michelle or not Sony Michelle Rashad Penny, who's always hurt. Uh, an injury away from him to from massive, massive volumes. So that's a that's the type of running back you're looking for um, when you're when you are uh, doing zero RB. Massive volume, especially because when they're down. With four minutes left in the game, twenty-eight to nine, you know they're going to hand it off. They're still running. Exactly. They're, they're exactly going to run right. it. Yeah, you don't throw it until you're at the goal line in the Super Bowl in the last play of the season. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> That's out. Which I support. I defend that. <laughs> by the way. Different show. Maybe tomorrow morning we make that a topic. I would love. I would love to discuss that tomorrow morning. Oh, you would too. <laughs> So alongside the wait on a running back until round 11 for Zach, he took Josh Allen, Devontae Adams, Mark Andrews, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, Mac Jones, DK Metcalf. So we got two Seahawks on this team. That's an interesting strategy to win money. But Amari <laughs> Cooper after that, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Gusecki, and then Kenneth Walker. Um, we'll see about whether there's a third quarterback. I would, I would assume that he's going to hit running back pretty good over these next few rounds and then, you know, fill in elsewhere beyond that you know we are in round 12 no we're almost around 12 it is a 25 rounder so we're not even halfway through the draft we're more than halfway through our stream we're not going to go past an hour and a half on us though you know there there is a certain quarterback uh there for zach if it if he makes it back with the the team he's built adam we have four hour drives to canton coming up and back i'm sure uh I'll have to get Marshawn Lynch's goal line stats ready for you. Apparently, <laughs> I, no, I've got a, I've got another take on that on that play. That's just you know, you're gonna hate it, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. What? How? How are you guys gonna tease that and not go ahead and give it up? Yeah, well, no, I mean, throw it away. People just, I mean, listen, you guys know how I feel about Bill Belichick and just how he's been caught cheating at the highest level. Malcolm Butler, the corner. Said after the game, he knew what the he knew that that was coming. He knew that that play was coming. How in the world would you know that that play is coming? Nobody knew. No, no, but he he jumps the route. He beats the receiver to the ball. How does he know that? I'm just telling you. There's a coach that's been caught in videotaping Super Bowls. That's all I'm gonna say. No days off. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all he's been caught videotaping teams' practices before Super Bowls before. That's all I'm gonna say. 
Remember the receiver's name? Uh, I don't. Was it Moore? I don't know who I don't know who it was. Lockett. There you go. Ricardo Lockett. Ricardo. Ricky Wasn't it, Ricardo Matt? Wasn't it Ricardo Lockett? You, you're looking at me like you guys have uh I, I was just, just trying to remember who it was. Honestly, I don't remember. Lockett with an E on the end, I think. Ricardo Lockett. Lockette. Lockette. I'm sure I'm sure somebody will throw it into the chat. I'm pretty sure. Right. <laughs> Let's look at a Beebs team right next with a time to out. Zach. What? Sorry, go ahead. With no, the go timeout. Ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just going. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so Abib, after taking the quarterback to start things, just like Zach, took Lamar Jackson, and then they played stack block for a few rounds. Took one running back among his first seven picks. Uh, he has since added two quarterbacks. So we're looking at how many teams have three QBs? We got one, two, three, four. And interestingly, after Curtis was one of the was the last to take a second, he's now one of the few to have three. So that's certainly a way, as we were talking about earlier, to handle that super flex, you know, model is it might look like you're just backing away from the position. But if the whole rest of the league is also backing away so that they can take some of those skill position guys that they've been passing on, that's when you get guys who, you know, will start even if they're not fun to have on your team. Um hanging around and then you just scoop a couple at some point now jared's last pick was yeah. gettable that it was, was gettable that was a great pick that was gettable i had just realized that he was still on the board and we're talking about deshaun watson and that's noteworthy because he has been climbing up in adp lately since we got the six game suspension announced i think that this particular pick you know, I don't know how indicative it is of current best ball drafting, but it sure makes it look like everybody is worried that the NFL is going to get its way and we're going to get a longer suspension for Watson this year. And that Watson won't sue and take the fact that he's got a $1 million salary, take the L, sit out the year, and everybody wants to be out. Three rounds went by before another quarterback was taken. I think the, yeah. the the least likely scenario now is six games. He either gets eight or more, 12 the whole year. Some could be more than eight if you were to bother to do this appeal process. Or that suspension comes down and he sues and maybe plays week one. So it seems like six now is not really likely at all. Um, you know, everybody's fed up, Matt, right? Like, fed up with trying to predict this and maybe has given up on it. So uh, yeah, credit to Jared and the players who want to keep attacking the uncertainty on Watson. Uh, Cause there could maybe now there's more upside than ever. Yeah. Two, two things. One, if Watson only, only misses six games, I almost, I feel like he could still outscore Baker Mayfield uh, after total overall, overall scoring and, and, and guys like Mac Jones, um, but the second thing is, yeah, I, I, I agree. Thank God it's a, it is a quarterback because if it was any other position, like it would actually matter. Like Deshaun Watson's like, ah, you know, if he goes in the 15th, who cares? If he find, if we find out tomorrow that he's playing the full season, like people who took him as their QB two or QB three in a standard league, whatever, like it's not going to make them a contender, uh, immediately. It, and it's not going to, you know, so 
But if it was like a, like a, a top five or six running back or receiver, that would affect everything. So it's just something that I'm not really worried about. It does matter with the value of uh, like Amari Cooper and Joku and stuff like that. But, you know, we all assume they're going to run the ball a bunch anyways, regardless. So um, yeah, that, that's it. I agree with not generally mattering as much a quarterback as the other positions, but we are also talking about a guy who could finish top four if he's there for the whole season. So if you're getting that guy at QB 25 plus, then, you know, there's certainly room for Deshaun Watson to make a big difference on this fantasy season. Sure. But you know, if you were to take him as your QB one and it works out, then I think it's a huge value for you. But if you have like Jared, let's say this was a standard league and you've got Brady and Watson, like how much better is Watson going to be than Brady that it's going to make a massive difference and it's going to win the whole thing for you. So mm-hmm. he's, 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 he's most, he's most people's QB two or three uh, on the roster. So, you know, unless he's QB one overall, I don't think it's going to be a massive difference uh, in, in, in my opinion. That's fair. Um, I'm counting up the tight ends right now because it's just another opportunity for me to gawk at how late Evan Engram goes. And we got 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I mean, this is even a little bit high for him in overall numbers, but to me it's nuts that you would take uh, Irv Smith and his one thumb over Evan Engram straight up. He went ahead of the Los Angeles tight ends too tonight which is not common no not a stack either so Abib is with you I don't know I love Irv Smith's potential there I do think Engram is in a great position to get a lot of targets from Jacksonville so I'm fine with that too but um you know Smith is supposed to be ready for the opener and that's a great setup for him yeah I mean I singled out Irv Smith it's really not a huge deal with him in particular I do think that Evan Ingram is underpriced and I talked about him the last time all four of us were in the studio together to do a podcast I'm going to bring him up again tomorrow the next time that we're all in the studio by the start of this season I just I I want the uh, Evan Ingram flag to be flying from the back of my car so that when he (laughs) helps people out this year for the 10 games he's healthy for that people know where they people remember where they heard about him yeah great idea I'm trying to see where he went in mine so Abib, I think, did well to wait on tight end here, and it can be uncomfortable in tight end premium, but it's a late pick for Pat Fryermuth to be his top tight end. Round 12, and it looks like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, maybe the f- 15th or 16th tight end off the board in this one, which is later than he has been going in typical best ball drafting and i think that it seems that abib likes evan ingram at least to some degree because like i said even though he went after some other guys that i would personally take ingram over tight end 17 off the board is earlier than his adp has been anywhere for whatever reason yeah i was i was looking for him in my in my draft i took him at the 12 at the, at the 12 7 actually so i took him Oops. earlier than earlier than they did here so i'm i'm all in on ingram and I took him as my tight end three behind behind Goddard and Ertz. So, um, so yeah, no, I'm uh, he's he's a guy that I think is going to be a kind of a post hype, post 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 hype sleeper um, for all the reasons that we've talked about for 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 two months. Other weights on tight end. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I noticed. Isn't he terrible? No. Maybe? No. Is he terrible? Chance. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Wasn't he a first round pick? I mean, he's fast. He's out. He's. Oh, listen. 
I'm just it's good saying. thing that's a four-hour drive. I got a list of first-round picks. Well, he flashed. Though. He's at. already done it. He's already done it with the with done the what? Giants. He's already done it. I'm just the saying. rookie year, right? The rookie year was good. Yeah. He's been a disaster ever since. Well, he's oh, been hurt. That's he's been hurt. True. That's too strong. Yeah. Oh, how, what, what word would you put on it? What his last what three years with the Giants have been like? I would say the last two years have been disappointing, and before that, he was he did well with what he got and when he was healthy. And I think that the reason that I'm so much in on Evan Ingram now is that all of those concerns are baked into where you're getting him, where if he fails at where I draft him, then it doesn't really matter. And he's still at worst. I think when healthy, a tall slot receiver. So he's in a spot now where that can be good enough. We had Hayes Carlion on the podcast earlier to talk about Jaguars. And he said he listed the top three that he expects in targets among Jaguars to be Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne. And I think if we get a better offensive coach than he had maybe at any point with the Giants, but certainly over the last two years, we should get more of a downfield Evan Ingram like we saw at the start of his career. So beyond that, if it's just a question of whether he's healthy, you know, I, I don't I just don't care about that for a guy who's. Uh, going in tight end two range. Well, Jared settled our Los Angeles tight ends uh, problem. By <laughs> both. That's right. I know I had not written those names down. <laughs> and not How- stacks on either of those guys for the quarterbacks that he got. Let's look at some other weight on tight end teams. Cause I was just about to bring up Mike Randall next to him who had a similarly long weight on tight end. And I think he also did well, like a B got, uh, David Njoku, Noah Fan with back-to-back picks in the 11th and the 12th. Um, Adam, what are your feelings on those two tight ends? Like Njoku, like the like the idea of Njoku. Um, I just I want it, I want the coaching staff to stop talking about how great of a blocker he is, um, and then I'll get really excited about him. Uh, if Watson plays, I'll be really really excited about him. So I see it. Um, f- so I do have Njoku more, but uh, I've been taking him much later. Um, then guys like Noah Fant are generally going, I feel like, uh, Fant, I think, um, is not going to do super well in Seattle, but again, in this range, best ball, um, maybe we'll see, maybe, maybe he pops a couple of games. And again, when you wait on tight end, I guess you could, you could do worse. Alan Seslowski agrees with you, but Hey, it's a tight end friendly offense. Speaking of friendly, Jared, our buddy is joining us in the stream. Now, Jared, how do you feel that your draft is going so far? I mean, sometimes you have those drafts where it's like everything goes right and you walk away feeling good about it. This, this isn't one of those drafts for me. Um, kind of kind of the story of my super flex life, I feel like. I'm just always <laughs> chasing quarterback in these drafts. You know, I think this, is, this has got to be the quarterback heaviest start we've seen out of these first four, right? So, um, you know, I, I knew there was a chance I wouldn't get one of those top – the top six quarterbacks were on my, you know, board for the first round. And I thought it was, you know, maybe 50-50 that a Hurts or a Kyler got to me. That didn't happen. Um, then it, you know, sort of snowballed from there. I, I feel okay about the two guys I landed on. Um, don't love, you know, having to spend two of my first three picks for those two guys. Were you considering anybody else with Cooper Cup at that first spot? Um, no. It, you know, it was at that point down to, uh, you know, but when I was on deck, McCaffrey and Cup. Those are my, you know, those are the two highest guys on my board. Mike Randall took McCaffrey, who I would have much rather had. Um, when uh, Randall took McCaffrey, it was it was cup for me. And then around the turn, what was it that pushed you to Tom Brady as opposed to Trey Lance or stacking Stafford with Cup? 
So Stafford wasn't in consideration for me. He's, you know, far enough behind Brady and Lance in our rankings and projections where I wasn't going to, you know, make that reach for the stack. Um, I strongly considered Lance there for ceiling and just because I think he's more exciting. But um, I, 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 you know, trusted our projections, our rankings. We have Brady, you know, 15, 20 points ahead of Lance in our projection. So I went with Brady there. Mm. Yeah. Um, did you think – I'm just trying to look here – the Trevor Lawrence, I know I, I ended up getting him in the fourth, but yep. were you worried were you worried eleven and twelve there were we're we're gonna take another one? Yes. And at that point it was Lawrence and yeah, Tua, Tua as sort of the last two guys in that tier. And yep. yeah, I, I definitely much prefer Lawrence. So I just yep. I just grabbed him there. Yeah, and that was with Michael Levo with no quarterbacks on his roster yet. So right. I think a decent chance that he would have taken Trevor Lawrence. We did see him take Tua before that next turn. Um and you know we've talked a lot about how we feel about Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard, and I also um, was able to get ETN as a as a stack uh, a few rounds later, which I like. Mm-hmm. Hey, yep. Jared, what what did picking tenth mean to you, or what does it mean to you in general in terms of what could happen behind you? So, so many quarterbacks taken, as you said, but the pressure is on at the end of the round. No tight ends yet. You know, cup is wide receiver one. You really, yep. you know, as, as you're picking in that that ten spot, you're trying to figure out what might happen behind you so that you can decide what to do. Set yourself up for round two. How how do how does that work itself out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew the first round would be sort of easy because again, I was looking at the six quarterbacks and then McCaffrey, Taylor, Cup, and Jefferson. I knew I'd get one of those guys. And then beyond that, I mean, I'm always just looking at 11 and 12 and, you know, specifically what they have at the onesie positions. Or I guess it's not a onesie position in this league, but, you know, at, at quarterback and tight end, and that's sort of dictating what I do. Like, you know, the Watson pick was interesting. I knew Oliva and Patrick by that point had already had three quarterbacks. So I knew they, they weren't going to take Watson as a fourth, or I was pretty sure. Um, and, you know, I, I almost took Watson in the 10th round there at 10-3. Um, instead of Pollard, but I went Pollard and I was, I was, I was happy to see Watson get back to me at that, you know, 11, 12 turn. What made you go ahead and take Pollard as a fourth running back, despite having the three, I mean, could be studs. Yeah. I mean, the quarterbacks went early in this draft, the wide receivers went early in relation to the running backs. I think, but now I'm looking at, you know, Pollard versus, I mean, look at the wideouts that went behind. Jacoby Myers, Myers, (laughs) Rondell Moore. Like I, even with the three backs, I could not take one of those wideouts. And it probably would have been Claypool for me, but I could not take Claypool over, over Tony Pollard. You're up here and I've written a name down. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing. I got, I got to figure this out. Well, I can't show him, right? I can't, this is not a, one of those. I can't do that. Not that he would want to go along anyway. <laughs> we'll take um, you off the hook from having to talk through who you're picking at this spot. We'll get that from you in a minute. So just looking at the rest of Jared's picks after the ones we talked about, we all we I think we all knew he was taking Dallas Goddard. And if you've been listening to the podcast, that's who you were guessing as well. Then Michael Thomas after that, Kadarius Tony, Tony Pollard, MVS after that, the Deshaun Watson pick that we've discussed. And then Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. So we've got three tight ends matching the three wideouts on Jared's roster right now. Um Jared, are you, I don't know, are you, you said that you, this is not one of those drafts where you feel great. Everything's going just how you expected it to. And it shouldn't be in the draft yep. rooms that we put together for these. How do you feel about having so many tight ends versus that number of receivers to this point where you have to start three wideouts every week? 
Yeah, that 13-14 turn was interesting. I mean, I knew I wanted to get one tight end at that point as my tight end, too, because I, I had Higby and Everett at that point as the last tight ends in that tier. Um, and then when, you know, I, I kind of expected Oliva or Patrick to take one of those guys as their third. When they didn't, you know, I was looking at our projections. We have Everett projected to score more points than any other running back or wide receiver that was still available at that point. And again, he's the last guy in that tier. I don't love any tight end past Gerald Everett. So um, I decided just to, to you know double tap it there. And I'm, I'm probably going to be done at tight end. Maybe I add one more super late guy. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it before. I think the wide receiver spot is the easiest one to just collect players, no matter how you really feel about them, just guys with opportunity late and hope that they deliver numbers. Was Van Jefferson somebody that you like taking there or was it just like, I need a receiver. I don't love anybody. I'll take the guy that as long as he's healthy, I like his situation. I actually hate Van Jefferson as a player, but um, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think, yeah, I-, I think he's going to be back in the same role he was last year. And he finished, he was a top 40 PPR wide receiver, I believe, last year. And, you know, it sounds like the the knee surgery, you know, he'll, he'll be back by week one, if not, you know, uh, a few weeks after that. So he, he's more of a floor pick, which I, you know, sort of need considering, you know, he's my he's my fifth wide up. There is something you don't hear that often in home leagues <laughs> about a player that was just picked by you. I actually yeah. hate him. You know, <laughs> nobody in the home leagues are picking guys they actually hate. Right. You know, that, is a, that is a heavy drafter. Well, plus, I like to point out the personal growth by my buddy Jared there. He's willing to pick guys <laughs> that he didn't like. He hasn't liked Van Jefferson ever since he was a prospect either. It's a, it's not a recent thing. <laughs> well, at least at least he hates guys that he's taking in the fifteenth round. I mean, if 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 Jared were to not have gone, like you know, I like the the, the Tony Pollard point is great. Like, am I going to reach for a receiver that I hate in the eighth round? Or am I going to take a running a running back that I like there and then just figure it out? Like that's kind of what these drafts are sometimes. They're puzzles and. You got to just got to go with the but the player that you like better, and then just yep. figure it out a little later on. I mean, you hate Van Jefferson, but at least it's your fifteenth pick, and yeah. not your your eighth. Here's a pick Jared, for Matt right here. Here's a pick. Jared's for Matt. got. He's got one more shot at it. He's got one more <laughs> shot at it. He's oh, got baby. one more shot at he it, baby. Got there, it. Go. there it is. Oh, there, there it is. is. Dubs. There it is. Dubs season. Come I was on. just <laughs> noticing that Christian Watson had already left the board ahead of Dobbs, which and, should not be the case at this point. And, and Sammy, Sammy Watkins went the pick ahead of him. You got away with one there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm happy about that one. So I saw, I saw a show about Dubs a week ago, and it was really interesting. They talked a lot about him, and they figured out how to say the name right. <laughs> what show was that? Adam, what show was that? Ours. Ours, I think. Yes, it was, that's right. It was our show. Dubs. Dub season. <laughs> um Jared, you've got uh, after not taking the Matthew Stafford stack with Cooper Cup early, you got a whole lot of Rams collected now. <laughs> Has that been a thought of yours along the way of like are you trying to ignore what team they're on? Are you like, well, I guess I'm just going to I'm going to stack the Rams anyway. I don't need the quarterback. I'm just betting on the pass offense or right. you know, what 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 what's the thinking there? I mean, honestly, I, I thought they were all good values where I took them, but I guess secondarily, like I'm already betting on Stafford being fine when I took when I took Cup at 110. So at that point, you know, I, I might as well just bet that Stafford's going to be okay and take these, you know, Rams and that, you know, I don't know, maybe they are falling because of the Stafford concern. I, mean, I, th- I think Higby went later than he normally does. Van Jefferson, probably not, but um, yeah, I'm mean, already making the bet on Stafford with the Cup picks. I might as well just just double down, triple down. Yeah, I How think does- it's right about where. Um, 
Tyler Higby has been going, he's been pretty low throughout best ball season. We're not hearing a whole lot about him, but it doesn't seem like that knee surgery is uh, an issue, right? From the, the injury that he had right at the end of last season. Yeah, no, he, he's been a full go for camp as far as I know. Mm-hmm. How does Ian Harditz take Watson over dubs? Maybe he's just still shooting for the season-long upside of Watson. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a, not a Watson guy. He's a lifelong dubs fan from like two months ago. <laughs> and Watson, isn't Watson going super late now? Yeah. Underdog, like he's going almost undrafted. And dubs is shooting up. Dubs goes behind Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins tonight. Really? Like that? That's egregious. Yeah. Watson's not even getting drafted in underdog drafts right now. I've, I've done Crazy. a few over the past week. Yeah. I mean, is, is, is that gone too far? I wasn't a fan to begin with. So it's easy for me to just say I'm out with the, with this knee issue and the fact that he's going, you know, missing most of camp. Um, I still, I still see the ceiling argument for him, but I, I think if he hits a ceiling, it's not, it's not going to be this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think he belongs certainly in draft consideration, but I think it's, yeah, it's sensible for him to be going that late because we're talking about a second round pick. So it's not in that, you know, must first round where teams feel like they have to get something out of a guy immediately. It is a prospect that most people thought was raw and the injury stuff that's keeping him off the field while Romeo Dobbs is merging. So there's room for green Bay to be more patient with Christian Watson, a player who looks like he should be, um, I don't know. He, he should be engendering patience. <laughs> also, Dubs was not like a seventh round pick. He was a fourth round pick. You know, I mean, not not too different from Watson early second. Different, but not just like crazy different. So I don't know. I'm, I'm on board. And also, by the way, here, uh, as we go to the paper, Zachary's last pick. Oh, you got there, it? There it is. There it is. Gino. Well, it actually says Eno, Adam. Eno. If you look closely. <laughs> it does, it's, it doesn't like, say Gino. It doesn't say Gino. It says Eno. Eno, that's right. You have to cover the G. <laughs> nice job, Mike, nailing that pick. And looking at his <laughs> team, we did watch him, uh, as we expected, hit running back pretty hard after waiting until 11-1 to take his first. Went Kenneth Walker, Michael Carter, uh, Alexander Madison, three straight picks. Madison's a nice one, especially to add to that kind of build. Then took a little break for George Pickens, but followed with Khalil Herbert, James Robinson, Eno Benjamin. So certainly lots of maybes and lots of going to get some touches, and I hope he finds the end zone. I think James Robinson's probably a good guy to draft for those kind of builds in particular at this point. What do you think, Jared? I'm pissed. Ian just sniped me on Brian Robinson. So I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to recover. Recover. I got uh, you, buddy. If you're gonna take, uh, if you're gonna take a detour for a late round receiver, George Pickens is the guy to take a detour for. Now I'm sure he was devastated. McKenzie went the pick before him, but Pickens is a nice, is a nice consolation prize. Is that more um, stack blocking sure. between Zach and Abib? Is Abib keeping Isaiah McKenzie from getting to the Josh Allen team? Maybe. Maybe. Great point. It's hard though. Like when you're in these, I don't know. I feel like it's hard in a draft when I'm really focused to worry about like everyone, like other people's teams. Like I know at the oh. end of the end of the rounds, you're 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 very sensitive to what the other teams are doing because you want to know who's going to fall back to you. So he would probably know that he that uh, he might want a Bills receiver to go with Josh Allen. But I feel like at this late, I mean, are you really stack blocking in the 14th round? But he could be. He could be. It it also could be great value. Like if he gets that job, is everybody 
but me right. seems to think that he will. Like <laughs> fourteen after some of those guys going before him. I mean, I don't know. I think that 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 has potential on its own. Hey, we talked about growth from Jared. That's growth from Mike. As recently as last Wednesday, he was like, "Really, Isaiah McKenzie in round 14? and now he's up to it might be great value. Well, I mean, I have I would always have conceded that it's possible, and most people seem to think it's going to happen. Um, you know, watch the watch the show. Watch the show. Watch I'm, not doing, the it. I'm show. not doing it again tonight. The night before, and then that day. I, I don't need to keep banging on that. <laughs> but I do have Jared's next pick written down. <laughs> nice. Jared, I think it was probably easier to recover because I watched Alec Pierce go right before your spot too. Which yeah. I was wondering if that was another one that hurt you. But I mean, DPJ as a consolation prize is not bad, especially when you already have Deshaun Watson rostered. Right. Pierce was in my queue, but uh, DPJ was one spot ahead of him. Um, yeah. So, I mean, DPJ has been getting a lot of hype, but his ADP is not climbing. I'm not, I'm not sure what's up with that, but I, I, I love him here. I think maybe the Brian Robinson Jr. quote unquote snipe may might have forced you to the better pick in Donovan Peoples Jones just for what you already have rostered here. Especially with the four running backs already. I think I think DPJ was the way to go. So I think you should send a thank you note to Ian instead of being mad. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I I, I wanted Robinson. <laughs> maybe a fruit basket. We're going to be coming to the end of our stream here pretty soon because the guys we've been on for almost an hour and a half. The guys are into round 16. Um, let's take a quick perusal of the board. We saw the big slowdown in quarterback that we talked about as we would have expected after the Baker Makefield pick in at nine, three, then it was three more rounds until Deshaun Watson went to Jared's team, Marcus Mariota, the next round in the 13th, then Mitchell Trubisky, another two rounds after that. I don't know, Mikey talks about the Pittsburgh quarterbacks being stinky and we'll talk about them some more in our in-studio pod tomorrow. I still think I would go for Mitchell Trubisky earlier than that. So I guess maybe there's two tips now for free to my competitors tomorrow night. I'm not taking Mason Rudolph. And if Mitchell Trubisky is still on the board in round 15, I, I guess I'm buying. To me, the answer is Pickett, because even though it, I know it doesn't have to be this way, they uh, he's the guy that has to get on the field. And Trubisky could be one bad game, and Rudolph is more just like, prop bet would he get drafted at all but pick it for me is the, still the one i'd want to bet on and let's take a look at what was written down for jared just a few minutes ago well, oh, let's my see goodness, Mike. oh my god zamir, zamir white get, i mean get out I of didn't, my head i didn't do this <laughs> that i did write down zamir <laughs> that one's zamir. crazy so what made you put what, what made you write his name down oh it's so long ago <laughs> Uh, I think I think it's because you know I'm going to talk about Josh Jacobs in our good vibes bad no. vibe show tomorrow. That's no, right. see, I we can't see the whole draft, but I don't see a lot of pink there, so it was uh, running back time for me for you. Yeah, and he was the name that came to mind. That's all, nothing more. That's it. Instant. That's just Mike showing that Instinct. he's ready to take down the bare knuckles draft out in Vegas yeah. this year for yes. him. <laughs> He's out here fighting 1930s boxer style. <laughs> that's, that's how I was raised. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to be about it for night four of the Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm going to be drafting tomorrow night, as I mentioned. I'm still going to be on the stream because, like I said earlier, I've tested it now over the past two years, and clearly – 
my better results come from when I am talking and drafting at the same time. So I'm not thinking too much about the players that I pick, but I'm going to turn over the hosting reins to my deep end buddies right here. It's going to be Mike and Adam. And then I'll just be waiting in the corner, trying to tell them to stop talking to me while I'm figuring out who I'm taking around that one, two turn. And then, you know, each turn beyond that. Listen, it'll be good practice, Matt. You got to sign up for your main event still and get that, get that live stream ready to go. I do. I'm looking forward to that. Want some money from Matt that I've used to invest in more best ball drafts. So I've, I, I'm, I'm even more practiced now than I was the past two years. I'm very <laughs> ready for my entry to this tournament. If you're ready for a better league hosting experience, you should hit Fantrax. Like we said earlier, Fantrax.com slash draft sharks. It's totally free. It's totally customizable. And if you have any snags along the way, if you hit a spot where you're not sure what to do in your league setup, they're waiting with customer service to help you through that. So fantracks.com slash draft sharks. And of course you should use the draft sharks tools to then beat your friends on fan tracks when you draft that league. Cause at DraftSharks.com, we are ready for you to become a DS insider, take advantage of the draft war room that Jared's using right now that I'll be using tomorrow night. That can be customized to fit your league, whatever the format you're using. And it can sync with your draft on fan tracks or wherever you're playing. So for all my friends here in the stream, Jared Smola joining us late, Adam Krautwurst, Mike Shope, I'm Matt Shop saying thanks so much for something with us.